today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. He says, agape, this is what agape looks like. Agape suffers long and is kind. Agape does not envy. Agape does not parade itself and is not puffed up. Agape does not behave rudely and it does not seek its own. It's not provoked and it thinks no evil. How are you doing on your checklist? Agape doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. Sometimes it has to rejoice in the truth even when the truth hurts. Human love is usually self-seeking. In other words, we love because we expect something in return. However, God's love or agape love is selfless. In today's message, Pastor David teaches us that agape love is found only in the person of Jesus Christ. Agape love is never rude. It always hopes. It is never selfish or prideful. Agape love hates evil but rejoices in the truth, even when the truth can be difficult to hear. Pastor David points out that we can only love with agape love through the indwelling and power of the Holy Spirit. Now here's Pastor David with part two of his message, This Crazy Little Thing Called Love, from the book of 2 Peter. reason I love you many times is even in spite of you because I have committed to love you. Completely selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love. The highest of the four types of love spoken about in the Greek culture or in their language. It's the type of love that's spoken about when we think of the love of God. The love of God is the agape of God. Throughout the New Testament, we, we, we see it mentioned over and over and over again in that understanding that it is the deepest of all loves. John records the very words of Jesus in John chapter 15. If you want to turn there with me, in John 15. And here we have the words of Jesus to the disciples. Now, as he's speaking to the disciples, understand the time frame and the context. This is on the night that he was betrayed. This is in the upper room, and Jesus is pouring into these disciples in the last of the ways that he will be doing it in his earthly ministry. And in John chapter 15, down in verse 9, Jesus says these words to his disciples. He says, as the Father agapeoed me, as the Father has loved me, and he uses that word agapeo, I also have agapeo you. Abide in my agape, same word, different tense. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my agape. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his agape. And then down in verse 13, we read these words. Greater agape has no one than this, 
than to lay down one's life for his phileos, phileos, for his friends. The great deep love of agape, laying down even the life for the friends. To help us differentiate between types of loves, many places in the King James Version, they translated that word agape into the word charity. So if you have your King James Version this morning, you you have that word charity used quite often. It's that great passage of love in in 1 Corinthians that, again, we we read of the attitude of how this love needs to be. In 1 Corinthians, do you remember what chapter that might be in? 13, the chapter of love. How many times we hear that in a marriage ceremony where they use 1 Corinthians 13. And, and, And as great as that is in a marriage relationship, and I would have to agree, absolutely, definitely, we need to bring that into mind in a marriage relationship. But it's beyond marriage relationship. It's in our lives, you and I as believers, we need to live our lives with the understanding of agape love. In this passage, Paul, first of all, explains the importance of having this type of love. And he says, even in the areas of ministry, the importance of having that kind of love. You might think about it even in our religious experience. And though I I don't really like that term, I understand what it means. It's it's our work in, in serving the Lord here in this place. And Paul brings out, the impact of needing to have agape love even as we serve the Lord. Listen to what he speaks about here in 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 1. Paul says that though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not agape, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and though I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not agape, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not agape, It profits me nothing. Now let's pause right there for a moment. Do you realize what he's saying here? Though I try to serve the Lord, and though I may be gifted in in many ways and in many areas of ministry, but I don't have that agape love, and it's like a clanging cymbal. If I don't have that kind of love, even as, again, I have the gift of prophecy, uh, I have knowledge, man, my faith is growing, I have so much faith, I could move mountains, but I don't have that kind of a love for the people that are around me. He says, I'm nothing. God's not impressed. He speaks on, he says, even if I live in areas where I'm sacrificing some, I'm, I'm feeding the poor. And even though I'm willing to be martyred for my faith, and Peter understood what that was all about because it was happening in his day, I'm willing to give my body to be burned for my faith. That's again in the vertical relationship. But I have not agape in the horizontal. It profits me nothing, nothing. He's really clear that without agape type of love, 
being lived out in our lives becomes absolutely empty. It becomes religious exercise. The very thing that Jesus told the Pharisees that, that, that was just sickening looks good on the outside, but in reality it's not true on the inside. And then Paul goes on to describe what this type of love actually looks like. We, we look at those first three verses and say, well, I, I think I have that kind of love. I, I, I think I do, and, and I'm ministering here, and I, I do believe that I have that kind of love. Okay, let's look at the checklist with me, okay? Beginning in verse 4, he says, agape, this is what agape looks like. Agape suffers long and is kind. Agape does not envy. Agape does not parade itself and is not puffed up. Agape does not behave rudely and it does not seek its own. It's not provoked and it thinks no evil. How are you doing on your checklist? Agape doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. Sometimes it has to rejoice in the truth even when the truth hurts. The truth is spoken into our hearts and May, might not be what we want to hear, but thank you for sharing with me the truth. Thank you for speaking the truth in my life. Though it's going to have to make a change in my life, I'm glad to hear it. It rejoices in the truth. Then he says there in verse 7, agape bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Agape never fails. Do you see why it's so clearly seen that that's the love of God? Because in all of these characteristics, we see God's work toward us in our lives. Suffering long, again, takes care of us, thinks no evil, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. It's the kind of love that God has for us. But it's also the kind of love that you and I as believers, if we claim Christ as our Savior, we need to be growing in in our life. Now, of all of these things from verses 4 down through verse 8, if I took a list this morning and wrote each one down and numbered right next to it 1 to 10 and have you marked in there where you were on that as 10 hey I'm there I, I've got it it's all working in my life and and zero says man I haven't even begun in that if I spread those papers out to you had you fill those out this morning put your name at the top and turn them in uh, no we wouldn't do that though would we because I think every one of us including myself there's some areas in here that I'm, I'm, I'm doing fairly well on but there's other areas in here that I know, even in my life, I, I've got to keep working on. I've got to keep the, the challenge before me that I, that I wouldn't grow lazy, that I wouldn't grow so self-consumed that agape isn't able to shine forth. And self is the main thing that, that squelches agape love in our life because agape is what we say, self-sacrificing. It doesn't look at its own desires, but it's always looking out for others. 
Peter writes these things to us here, and Peter understood what this love was all about. He had known it for years, even though in the past it had been fairly hard for him to be able to express it. Do you remember when Peter denied the Lord Jesus? There in the courtyard of of the high priest as Jesus had been arrested, and this little bitty milkmaid comes to Peter and says, wait a minute, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? And Peter denied his love for the Lord. He denied his commitment to the Lord. After Jesus' resurrection, Jesus sought to reestablish Peter, to be able to encourage Peter. And there that they came, uh, Jesus knew that Peter had to change And he had to increase the depth and the type of love that he had, even for the Savior. We read this story in John chapter uh, 21. Turn there, if you would. John 21. Because again, as we see this story, it really brings out, I believe, to each one of us personally, what kind of love do we have, even for the Savior? And if we don't have it for the Savior, how could we even begin to have it for the world that's around us? In John chapter 21, beginning in verse 15, Here they are after Jesus' resurrection and before his ascension into heaven. He's gathered the guys together on the seashore there. He'd fed them breakfast, and then he began speaking to them. And in John 21, verse 15, it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agapeo me? Do you agapeo me more than these? We could get into a big discussion as to whether Jesus was saying, do you love me more than the fish? Do you love me more than these men? Do you love me more than the world? The question is, is, I think we could almost stop it even. Simon Peter, son of Jonah, do you agapeo me? Even at that point. And Peter answered him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you that close companionship kind of love, but not the deep self-sacrificing love. Peter changed the word around. It would be like asking someone, do you love me? And they turn around and respond, oh, you know I care about you. Quite a bit of difference of word and understanding there in him. Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Then in verse 16, Jesus asked him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agapeo me? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. And Jesus said, then tend my sheep. Then in verse 17, Jesus said to him now the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you And now Jesus has changed it. Do you phileo me? Do you even phileo me? Do you even reach to that level, Simon Peter? Now, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time. Now, many times we've looked at this and we think, well, Peter is grieved because he's repeated this three times. No, I believe that Peter is grieved because on the third time, Jesus changed his question to him to respond down to Peter's level. And Jesus asked him, Peter, do you even phileo me? And Peter is now grieved that this third time he's asked him that. 
And so Peter responds to him, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I phileo you. I care about you deeply. I believe that that was an opening for Peter. I believe that that was a, uh, uh, an awakening for him to understand that he wasn't willing to sacrifice all for Jesus. He had shown that on multiple occasions just by the words and the actions that he had. But particularly that night there in the courtyard of the high priest. When his commitment was put to test, it failed. And it failed completely. Jesus denied the Lord rather than face imprisonment or even the ridicule of others. What kind of a commitment do you have for the Lord? Oh, Lord, I care about you deeply. I I want to receive from you all that you want to give me. But is it truly an agapeo love, an agape type love? Lord, I'm sacrificed before you all that I truly have is completely yours. Peter was put to death just a few short years after he wrote 2 Peter. Most historians say that he was martyred between around 66 and 68 AD. And Origen, an early church father and and writer of the time period, wrote about Peter's martyrdom. And he said that when they came to crucify Peter, Peter says, Please, I'm unworthy to be crucified the way that my Lord was. And they crucified him actually upside down. I believe that Peter's heart changed from that night in the courtyard, even that morning there on the beach. I believe that his heart changed to really become and have that agape type of love, that self-sacrificing, totally in type of love the last of these virtues that Peter writes to us is definitely not the least. When he says to brotherly kindness, we add agape. And, and when I look at that and I think of these virtues, and again, as we share, these virtues aren't stacked upon each other, but they are drawn beside each other to strengthen the one foundation of faith. Then we bring in virtue uh, or moral excellence. We bring in knowledge. We bring in all of these things. And in my mind, I look at this as then they are literally wrapped around with the reality of agape love, holding everything else together. Faith, the absolute center core of all that we are as believers. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We add to that then moral excellence. We begin to live our lives out in a way that is more than just a verbal profession of our faith in Christ. We make choices that demonstrate it by the moral choices that we make. As this change in our life begins to take place, we begin to, as the word says, we begin to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Experiential and relational knowledge grows into our life and is added along these other virtues. And with that, the old nature is then brought in under a greater control as we learn to die to self, self self-control, self-being under 
control in order that Jesus might fully live in and through us. And as the battles come our way, and they will come our way, then we're more able to be able to persevere in our faith, to be able to stand strong against the attacks of the enemy, because that foundation of faith is being added to in a continual basis. And as the word says, we're able to hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. But more than simply just holding on, our relationship with both God and man continue to grow deeper in godliness in both that vertical plane as well as the horizontal plane. And we become ever increasing just a walking understanding of what relationship with God is all about. Then added to our godliness is our care and our concern for the people that are around us, that brotherly kindness that speaks particularly about the care and concern for members of the household of faith. And then all of this surrounded by, it's encompassed by a true living agape type of love in our life. Agape being the true motive for all of our actions, for our devotions, for our very life. And when that happens, when all of that is working together, listen to what Peter says happens in our life. He says in verse 8, if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this. In your life as a believer, is there fruit coming out of your life? Or is your life as a believer fairly barren and unfruitful? Perhaps the reason it is unfruitful, the reason that your faith is barren and empty is because these things aren't a part of it. I want to encourage you this morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we look at these seven virtues and we start looking at, Lord, I want to diligently add these to my life so that I don't spend my life barren and unfruitful for your kingdom. But he goes on there. He says, he, verse 9, he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and he's forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. You know what that speaks to me? As a believer that's been saved for years and suddenly they've taken for granted their salvation. They've taken for granted their relationship with God and they're just trying to coast along in life. Oh yeah, years ago, I prayed to receive Christ, but I don't let that interrupt my life. I I, I don't let that distract me. When in reality, that ought to be the very focus of our lives. The very focus and the desire of our lives is that Christ living in us and being declared through us, through our thoughts, through our actions, through our attitudes, in every aspect of our life. That Christ in us changes us. That the old has passed away and all things have been made new. That there's new life working in us on a continual basis. I'd like to let you know this morning that in all of these seven virtues, I've been able to obtain them all perfectly in my life. I'd like to tell you that this morning, but it's not true. I'm still struggling. I'm still growing, just as each of us are. But beloved, the question is, is are you struggling? 
and are you working toward the goal of obtaining these in your life? so glad we were able to spend time with you today on The Open Word. We hope the message you heard has been encouraging and maybe even given you an incentive to dig a little deeper into the book of 2 Peter for yourself. Did you know that you don't have to wait to hear more teachings from The Open Word? Just visit our website, theopenword.com. We have a number of messages available there to listen to right now or download to hear at your convenience. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so you'll never miss a teaching. You're an important part of the ministry here at The Open Word. If you've felt a prompting to become more involved in this great ministry, listen up. Pastor David has a special message just for you. You know, I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word. And God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Your gift, large or small, is greatly appreciated for the kingdom of God. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all we have time for today. Pastor David will continue teaching through 2 Peter when you join us next time on The Open Word. Cause